let's uh, find that Bible reading of 1 Kings chapter number 19 and we'll take some of our thoughts from there. Well, God bless you for uh, making the decision to be in church this morning. Uh, I think it's the right thing to do for the Lord. And uh, I always think that's the best way to think about uh, attending church. It's, uh, I never attended church before I got saved. So, you know, it wasn't something that was just in my family. There are some that I guess it is in their family. Uh, but certainly, when you get saved, when you know the Lord, it is very clear that uh, on this first day of the week, on Sunday, it is honouring and appropriate that we assemble together in His name. And that's just something that uh, every Christian uh, ought to decide to do. What, whatever else you do beyond that, uh, then certainly uh, you should plan to be in church on the Lord's Day, as you are. So God bless you for that. Uh, I'm going to uh, draw some thoughts this morning from uh, this chapter, chapter 19. I guess before I do that, I just remind you again, Pastor Lloyd and Cassie are in New Zealand. So they're with Pastor Brinkman as uh, Andrew and Nicole. So I guess their service is probably already over, but they had a friend day today. So I pray that that went well. Pray, pray, pray for Pastor. Uh, pray that God will bless him and also bless the church there. Uh, so that's, that's where he is and that's why I'm here, at least this morning. All right, so chapter 19 of 1 Kings talks to us, uh, it's a narrative uh, about an event uh, in the life of Elijah. Uh, I guess if you put it in context of Elijah's entire life, this was really just a few days. But it was a significant event and it's one that the Lord decided to give us a reasonable amount of detail and I think the purpose for that uh, is, to, is to understand what Elijah was going through and then put it in context of how God responded to him in what he was going through and, uh, and also uh, what came after in Elijah's life. Uh, this this uh, chapter uh, details a disappointment in the life of Elijah. And I've titled the message this morning, just to title it something, uh, When Expectations Are Not Realised. Uh, when you, you, you have a desire for something or you were uh, expecting that something would go a certain way and uh, in your life it did not work out that way. And uh, that was probably a lot easier said than what it actually feels like when those things happen to you. I remember here over the years, I've often, I've reflected more on the people I used to pastor after I stopped pastoring them. And I guess I had time to think back over things and, and as I grew in different areas of my own life, uh, as, for example, as my children got older, as different things happened to us, uh, moving to another country and uh, trying to, you know, all, all that came with almost to start again, uh, I reflect back on people who used to sit here and, uh, and I can, I'm reminded that uh, they, I now understand they were going through 
uh, difficult times. They were going through seasons that they did not think they were going to go through in their life. Uh, there were people sitting here, and I honestly, I wish that I'd understood it better uh, when I was here earlier. I, I, I wish that I had, uh, I wish I had been better for them than I was. Uh, but I think back to families, and I won't mention their names, but, but I can think of families that, you know, that would sit here, and uh, unlike me at the time, I, I had younger children, uh, their children had already uh, grown up, and they were going through things happening in their life with their kids and uh, with their family uh, that was just not how they had hoped or expected it to go in their life. And, uh, and uh, you know, this was a bit kind of what's happening here with Elijah. You have to understand this man. Uh, he comes out of Gilead and just sort of bursts on the scene in a time when Israel... When, when the vast majority of people were not thinking about God. In fact, they had really abandoned God and uh, they had erected altars and, and uh, uh, other places of worship for, for false deities. Uh, and uh, there were very few left in this day uh, who actually had, uh, were mindful of God. Now, you know, if that was another nation, that's probably the norm, but this was Israel. They knew better. This, this was the people that God had called out to be his own. They knew their own history. And uh, so it was, it was a dark day. It, was, it wasn't a good time. Uh, if you were there, you weren't able to look around and find hundreds of other Christians who would just encourage you. Uh, in fact, it was, it was getting really hard to find anyone who had not uh, uh, just completely walked away from the true faith. And so Elijah bursts on the scene he comes out of Gilead. Some people liken the area he came from uh, to an area like the Scottish Highlands. And I've never been to Gilead or the Scottish Highlands, but I get, I get the idea. It's a rugged uh, sort of environment. And uh, coming out of that, 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 that's the kind of guy he was. So, uh, you know, he's no snowflake. He's, uh, he's strong. Uh, he's passionate. Uh, he's passionate for God. I don't know how he got there. Uh, we don't, we're not told about his training, his preparation. Well, we don't really know anything about his family, but he just arrives on the scene and uh, he has this great passion and this great desire to see people come back to God and he wants to see uh, a revival, a turnaround uh, in the nation. And he's more than willing to, to stand up for that cause and to put himself forward and he does go in the will of God. And, and I just say that to say uh, he has a hope or an expectation that what is going to result out of all this is that people will wake up out of their disobedience and the nation will come back to God as they should. And, uh, and it kind of looks for a time like that might be what's going to happen. Uh, he goes to, uh, to uh, Mount Carmel, you know, you, Sunday school kids you know, colour in the pictures about this. Uh, but he goes up, there's a contest between him and the, the prophets of Baal and God sends fire down. And it's a very dramatic, uh, and, and I mean, it really happened. It, it was like everybody saw it. Uh, they saw God was real, uh, that, the, that, the, the, that Baal was not real. 
uh, and uh, was not powerful. And so Elijah was thinking at that point, I'm sure, okay, uh, this is it. This, this is it. This is my purpose in life. This is what I was born to do. And this has gone like, you know, it should go. And so now everybody has seen, and uh, this will be the turning point. It's going to get better from now on. But of course, uh, that's not what happened. Uh, uh, Elijah was threatened and he, he, he runs off uh, in fear for his life, the Bible says. Uh, and uh, nothing, nothing goes the way uh, that he had hoped it would go. Uh, I wonder, uh, you know, as you think about your own life and you reflect on where you're at today, you think about your family now and through the years or you think about your work, uh, maybe for some it's your health. Uh, I, I wonder uh, the place where you find yourself now, uh, is it where you thought and hoped you would be? Uh, are you in the place now that you had actually hoped it would be this way? And uh, for many, I think they would say, well, I'm in a place, but it's not exactly like maybe I kind of had thought or hoped it might go. Uh, and that was kind of where Elijah found himself to be. His expectations were not realised. Uh, there was no national revival in fact, he'd spend his days with the nation being mostly in apostasy uh, and uh, this, was, this was not uh, what he had hoped for or what he had wanted. And maybe, uh, maybe for your life, <clears throat> you reflect on some areas of your life and uh, it's been disappointing. It's been uh, hurtful. Uh, maybe you've had to contain your anguish. Uh, and just keep it, just sort of keep it in. Uh, maybe you do uh, lie awake at night and uh, think about life and just where it's all ended up and where you're at and uh, maybe, maybe your expectations or your hopes of how you would have liked it to have gone uh, have, not, have not been realised. And uh, I just want to give you an exhortation this morning uh, just to just an exhortation about well, what do you do uh, if you find yourself in that place? Uh, I, I'd like to be able to report to you as somebody who gets around a little bit. <clears throat> I'd like to be able to report to you that that uh, in the matter of churches and people uh, serving God and trying to win the lost, it's never been better. Uh, I'd like to say that, but but that is that would not be a truthful reporting to you. Uh, what, what I, truthfully, uh, I don't want to say it's never been worse, but uh, th there are a lot of people are in difficulty. Uh, churches, uh, they're not doing exceptionally well. Uh, and, and by that I mean they're not just going from growth to growth to growth to growth. Uh, not churches that are preaching the word of God. Uh, that's not happening. A lot of people are going through uh, difficult times. And so maybe you are facing a, just you know, expectations have not been realised and, and uh, you have some, uh, some pain and, uh, and some anguish. And uh, so let me just give you an exhortation for that. That's where Elijah found himself. It was a difficult time. So God comes to him uh, when he's, he's fled. And if you know the, 
the chapter, Elijah had decided in verse number four that uh, he was ready to just end life. Uh, that's, that's mildly putting it. He had decided that uh, uh, probably best, Lord, you just kill me uh, because, you know, there's no point anymore or, or I, I, perhaps he felt he'd failed. I think that was part of it. Uh, but he had just reached a point where he was questioning the worth of continuing on even in life. He'd left his servant behind. He'd sort of gone out. We'd say he's gone out into the bush alone. And uh, there was intent there that, that that's probably where he would, he would finish his time. Uh, but that wasn't how the Lord approached it. Uh, God came to him and God strengthened him to take another step, first of all. The first strengthening was just to take another step. And, uh, and then the second strengthening, and you can read there an angel was sent of God, the second strengthening was just to strengthen him to go a bit further. And then uh, he went on and he got to a place where, uh, having done that, that God did come to him, a word came to him from God, and you have the... the the demonstration that we know about, but probably nobody saw it but Elijah and God, but, we, but it's recorded for us. And uh, God would, uh, God came along and, you know, there was the earthquake and uh, there was the, the wind and uh, there was the fire and these were, these were uh, spectacular things to see, but the scriptures tell us or, or point to the fact that God was not in that. And then came the still small voice. Now in that was a lesson to Elijah that, that everything will not be fire falling from heaven on the mountain. Uh, that's not the norm of God's working. Uh, most times the way the Lord will work will be in quietness, the still small voice, but God will be working. And so that was what was told to Elijah. That's the lesson God used to uh, help him with his thinking. Uh, you'll see there that when God uh, meets with Elijah, there is no condemnation. Uh, God does not get down on people who are probably already down on themselves. Uh, God, God doesn't come along to people who are thinking, I failed and say to them, you're a failure. That's not, that's not what God does. God, God doesn't come along to somebody who's already down and give them another kick. It's not, it's not God, and it's not God's way to do that. And by the way, that shouldn't be our way either. That's not how God deals with people who are hurting. God doesn't come along to people who are reflecting on decisions made over past years and think, you know... I may have made some bad decisions. There might have been some things I should have done better and just sort of join in on that and say, yeah, that's right, you really blew it. You, 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 you know, you're no good. That's not the Lord's way. And so the Lord just encouraged him to, to, uh, you know, to see it in terms of how God works, to accept the fact that it doesn't always go the way you want it to go and, uh, and then gives him uh, further instructions. So, so what, what do you do... What do you do when, you know, you find yourself uh, questioning where you're at? Uh, you find yourself questioning some decisions. You might be reflecting on family. 
there are some people, I think, even reflect on their very closest relationships like, you know, I kind of hoped it might be a bit different to this. Um, there are some people, you know, who, who had hopes for their family that just it didn't, it didn't go that way. What, what, what do you do? How should you think? And let me just give you a few simple things and finish. First thing is this, you know, worth of life is not measured uh, by vastness, by things accumulated, by numbers, but worth of life, in God's view, is measured by obedience in your particular area of gifts and responsibilities. So, so in an Elijah context, it would be this. Okay, Elijah, there was no national revival. There, there were not thousands who turned, who turned to God. There was, a, there was some there already, but there was, no, there was no turning. But that doesn't mean that you're not being used of God in doing what you're doing now. If you're going to, va- if you're going to measure your life, if you're going to think about is it, is, are you, is it worthwhile what you're doing, uh, you know, if you're going to examine your life, then don't, don't use it by, uh, by uh, things that you have or, or things that you've built uh, or, or, or the vastness of your influence. It's amazing to see how many people in the Bible worked in a very small geographical area and never went outside of that, but yet God took that and it became very influential way beyond that. And what I'm saying is that sometimes we use the wrong criteria to examine the value of our life. Sometimes we look at the wrong things. Some, sometimes, I, I know it's a common thing for pastors to, to, to notice numbers, uh, I, uh, uh, and, and it just seems to be something they grow up into. And, and maybe we do it to each other. Uh, I spoke to Joe in Thailand just a few days ago. And, uh, and I said, uh, how are you? And he said, not good. I said, I'll call you. It was a text. I said, I'll call you. And uh, I, I said, is everything all right? Uh, how, how's the meeting? He said, uh, nobody's here. And I could tell he was really down. He said, pray for me. He said, he said it's hard. He said, I sit, we have a monitor in the office that we might have to smash it or something, but we have a monitor in the office that shows what's going on outside in the church building. So prior to you coming out of the office, you can see how many people are in church. And he said, I sit there and look up at that before I come out. And he said, it's, sometimes I just have to turn it off because it really discourages me. Sometimes we use numbers to evaluate our worth or how many do I have or how much do I have uh, or, or, or such things but really from the Lord's perspective worth of life and, and it should be your perspective too is not determined by all those things but it's determined by just you being obedient in the use of your gifts whatever they are and you being faithful in the responsibilities that God has given to you. And would you agree with me, there are things we can control and there are things we can't control. There are many things beyond our ability to control. For example, we can't control the lives and the decisions of other people. Uh, we, can, we can be sad, we can lament it. Uh, if we're close, we can try to give advice. 
but we can't control that. We can't control the direction of the nation. Uh, we, 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 we can't do that. Uh, we can't control world events. And let me tell you that there's just a lot of things going on in the world now that I think most Australians are just not aware of. I think there are some that are. Uh, but I think we have very serious challenges coming to us as a nation soon. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on the weekend Australian, uh, one of the NATO generals from America said to, the Europe, to our European, uh, their European allies, look, you're going to have to step up because we will have war with China uh, certainly within 15 years. So that, that was in, and there's a, just a lot of manoeuvring going on, and I, I think a lot of Australians are ignorant to that. I don't think they understand what's going on in the South Pacific. Uh, China's moving into the South Pacific, making loans to our near neighbours, and, you know, you probably already know who you borrow from, you become indebted to. And so that's a strategy to obtain influence in our region. Do you know that none of our fuel is refined in Australia? that all our fuel has to come down from Singapore. Uh, we hold about three weeks of reserves. So, so at any time if shipping is hindered, which, which it, could, it could be if you have a large navy, uh, any time shipping is hindered, our, f- our fuel supplies will stop. And so there's a lot of manoeuvring going on in the, in the Pacific region. There's a lot going on globally. I live up in Asia. I can tell you that there's a lot of things falling into place with Asian countries. And I'm just saying, uh, we, most of us would agree our national leadership has lost its way. That they don't seem to know what to do. That, uh, that, that, that whichever way we look, we're not inspired that anyone seems to be getting it. And so, so you know, there's, there's challenges that, that are coming. Uh, there are things that lie ahead. What, 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 what do you do in the midst of that? You can't control those decisions uh, you know, you're not, you're not the one making the decisions. What do you do? What you do do is you purpose to be faithful in the exercising of your gifts, to do the thing that God has asked you to do in your life. Uh, you're not, you can't control other things, but you can control you. You can decide what you're going to do. You can decide in your area of responsibility that you'll be faithful. I came in here this morning before church. I looked over there. There were others teaching. Here's Dave sitting over there teaching Sunday school class. I don't know how many years he's been doing that. I don't know how many years he's just turned up to do that. And uh, there he is just staying with it and and, and just, just, you know, opening the Bible, giving out some truth, something that will help the kids. He's just doing the things he can do, taking care of his family, uh, trying to lead his home in the best way that he can, not cheating his boss, uh, going, going to work, just, just the, the, the simple things that sometimes we minimise or we think are not big things, uh, these are the things that really determine uh, the worthiness of a life. These are the things that God is looking at. In Matthew 25 and 21, in the parable, but, but it's the Lord. We read this. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And usually we stop there. That's the phrase we just most remember. But he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. 
A few things. You didn't lead a national revival. It wasn't given to you to stop the Titanic going down. But you did what God asked you to do. The few things that God trusted to you. Uh, Your children, your home, your part in the local church, your opportunity to share the gospel, uh, uh, your life where you were salt and light to the nation. Uh, You were faithful over a few things, it said, and then he said, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So God is just saying, if you'll just, if you'll be faithful in that which is given to you. That's, that's all that God is asking you to do. And to, to find a peace about what you can control and what you cannot control. And to just walk with God in that. And Elijah had to come to terms with that. He aspired to so much more. Uh, Many of us here today would say, I'd like to do more for God. Many of us, if if we felt we knew what we could do further, we would like to do it. But we've been given certain things that God has asked us to do. And we just need to be faithful in that. And maybe it falls short to some of our, our desires. I, I, I'd, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see wonderful things happen in Thailand more than they are. I, I'd, I'd, like to see us, I'd like to see us have many hundreds, but we don't. And I don't know that we will. And, and I guess if we did, that would probably still be a small drop compared to the, the whole population. But, but we just need to be faithful. And Elijah was learning that, Elijah, your worth is not determined by the fact the whole nation didn't turn back to God. Elijah, you did your part. You did your part. And you'll see that Elijah was not done. There was more to come. Number two is this, to continue despite disappointments in yourself or others. And Elijah had both of these things. Uh, He had disappointment in others He brings that up in verse number 10 and again in verse number 14. He says, Lord, in verse number 10, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down thine altars, strong words, uh, slain thy prophets with the sword. So, So would you agree, he says the same thing in uh, in verse number 14, Would would you agree he was aware that others had dropped the ball. He was mindful of the fact that people who should have known better uh, were not doing what they were supposed to do. And, uh, and not only that, that, that it was just grievous to him uh, that, that it, and, and Elijah considered their conduct uh, a smite, an offence against God. And it bothered him. It bothered him because he had a passion for God. It bothered him because he knew what was right. It bothered him because he knew what was true. And, and, and he was looking at others thinking, but you know this too. Uh, 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 and so there was disappointment that the people around him uh, were not walking with God, were not serving God like they should have. And so you have to deal with the disappointment of others in your life sometimes. And then there was the disappointment in himself 
mentioned in verse number four, where he says, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And uh, there was just a disappointment that came perhaps through uh, his response to, uh, to fear uh, and, and the decisions he'd made. And, and by the way, the whole plan of God is never destroyed through the failures of any one man. God is not so fragile that a man's mistake will derail the whole process of God. And whilst we don't, we, you know, we feel sad about our failures, I don't know anyone who hasn't had them. I, I don't know any Christian who thinks that they got it right every time. I don't know any Christian who, who reflects on themselves and, and, and thinks, I've always been the kind of Christian that I know you were meant to be. Most people, most people are not that way. Most people are aware of, uh, of where they've dropped the ball, where it didn't, always, it didn't always go the way that they, you know, perhaps it should have gone. But God is not fragile that everything collapses because a man acts like a man. Because a, because a man responds the way that men do. And yes, Elijah got fearful and, and he did his part, but you... you you can't look back on that and say, well, the whole nation would have come to revival if he hadn't run away. That's not true. That's just not true. But he's going through disappointment in others and disappointment in himself, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're thinking that... Maybe you're feeling the pain of being uh, hurt or let down by other people or the decisions that they've made. Maybe it's anguishing... To, to see that in others. And maybe it's anguishing to see it in yourself. And I know for me, it, it's certainly been both many times. And yet, the answer to that is to continue. That's what God said to Elijah. Elijah, there, there, was, there, was, a, there was no condemnation from God. There was what some have called a demonstration of God's power. But let me say this, there were, neither was there any explanation the Lord didn't sit down and say, well, let's all unravel all this. What he did say was, Elijah, uh, uh, go back. I, I have some things for you to do. Continue on. My exhortation to you in a day of trouble, uh, in a day of uncertainty with the nation, uh, in a day of a global uh, change that probably is going to go to global turmoil, my exhortation to you as those who know the Lord is to continue on, to make the decision, though I may be dis disappointed in myself sometimes and though I may be disappointed in others sometimes, in my heart I commit myself to continuing. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue on. And that's what God asked Elijah to do. The Bible exhorts us to continue. 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
there's an exhortation to continue. In Colossians 4 and verse number 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. To continue, to continue to be faithful, to continue to be in church, to continue to, to say uh, your prayers and plead your supplications before the Lord, to continue uh, in your giving, to continue uh, that your home would be a light no matter how dark it gets outside, to continue in your own walk with God, to, to not be overcome or succumb to the spirit of the age, to, 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 not be, to not be overcome by the fact that it's becoming increasingly lonely to take a stand for God on anything. Uh, uh, you go to work and uh, you're surrounded by people who are either hostile to God or indifferent to God. But to not let that overcome you, to continue, to choose, to continue, to, to pledge, to continue, to tell uh, your family, we will continue, to tell your church, we will continue, to tell those in Thailand that you have led to Christ, uh, though they be discouraged some days, we will continue to determine, come what may, up to the rapture, no matter how dark it gets, we will continue. By the grace of God, with my giving, I will continue. I will continue in my marriage. I will continue in my family. I will continue preaching the word of God. I will continue telling others that Christ and Christ alone is the only way to heaven. I will continue. I will continue by grace to walk led by the Holy Spirit of God. I will continue to be in my place Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I will continue to be a voice that encourages the men of God and those who go to the front lines in serving for the Lord. I will continue... I will continue to tell my children that it's God's way, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will continue that you pledge yourself to continue, continue in the word, continue in the doctrine of the word of God. In a day when people are throwing away their Bibles and turning on their screens and a day when people are going to church to be entertained, when when church services have become me-centric instead of Jesus-centric, in a day like that, that you will continue. And just to determine, I plan to continue. No matter what happens, I plan to continue. Continue in prayer. Uh, I remember Jack Hiles sharing the story of a pastor uh, uh, who had pastored a church for more than 20 years, had been the leader of that church, uh, had led them in preaching the Word of God, had tried to uh, set an example, had children of his own and calling after two decades in the ministry saying to, to, uh, to Jack Hiles, I, uh, preacher, I don't know what to do. I just found out that uh, my oldest teenage daughter is pregnant out of wedlock and the whole church knows. And I, I've just, I'm so embarrassed to go to the pulpit again. 
Uh, I'm so embarrassed to ever stand in the pulpit and teach anything about families. Uh, I'm so embarrassed that things I exhorted others to do did not work out that way uh, in my family. And I, I just don't know what to do. I, I, I just, I don't know, I can face them anymore. Uh, and the shame in our family and our testimony seems to be in ruins. And what should I do? And uh, Jack Hall said, I told him, continue. Keep, keep going. Uh, you, you don't, don't quit over a disappointment in your family. Uh, don't, don't, don't quit because uh, some of your uh, children maybe made some decisions that they made, uh, different to maybe what you would have made. But, but don't, don't, don't quit over that. Don't, don't walk away. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't let the fact that your expectations were not realised be a cause for you to quit. Continue and, uh, and, and keep going and uh, keep serving God and, and just... Uh, make that determination and, re- and, and uh, verbalize it to your family and uh, tell your children and, and just settle it in your heart that you're just going to continue, to continue. Elijah, uh, you're, no, uh, you, no permission to die. Uh, no. Uh, Elijah, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not leaving, you're not quitting. Uh, Elijah... Uh, uh, in verse number 15, go, return, uh, get, get back to what you do and, uh, and continue. And then number three, when other people aren't fulfilling their purpose, you keep fulfilling your purpose. Uh, you know that others are uh, falling away uh, from, from the service of the Lord is not surprising, it's disappointing but it's not surprising. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, we read uh, about the impending coming of the Lord. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now, different people have put a different view on that, uh, but I would say this in context of the churches of Revelation, uh, Laodicea being the last, that, that uh, uh, exhortations in Timothy, that it is not surprising in the day that we live in that there's a certain falling away. And, uh, and it's disappointing. And, uh, and we, wish, we wish that it was not so. Uh, but uh, despite that, even if others, listen to me, even if others are not doing what they're supposed to do, you keep doing what you're supposed to do. You, you don't let the apathy of others make decisions for you. You don't let the fact that others don't seem to care anymore uh, lead you to not care anymore. You keep doing your part, what you're supposed to do. Now, if you, if you follow this, if you follow this, you'll be really glad you did. You know, one of the things that most struck me about Trish Lloyd's funeral service here, uh, I, I, I never look at funerals. You, you've heard people talk about funerals. The, the terminology comes up a lot, particularly with the unsaved, is uh, it's a celebration. You know, we're going to have a celebration. And, and that, you know, it's up to you if you want to use that 
I don't really look at funerals as a celebration. I look at they're a sober reminder of death, that God said, from dust thou art created, unto dust thou shalt return. Uh, They're a reminder of sin, uh, but they're also a reminder for us that you can be saved from sin. But when when I was here with Trisha's funeral, the thing that struck me the most was, you know, this is a good day for her. Because she's, she's not sitting here like this, battling through like we still are. You know, for, for Trish, her chickens came home to roost, as they will for us. But, but hers were good chickens. Her, it was a good day for her. Why, why was it a good day? Because she had been faithful to God. She was not perfect, she would tell you that. But she'd been, she had done her best to honour God, to be faithful to God. She had used her gifts, she had sacrificed, uh, she'd done things that you know about and many that you don't know about. Uh, and she'd done that. So, so when it comes to an end, earthly-wise, of someone like that, it's really a good day for them. You know who it's not a good day for? It's not a good day. It's not a good day for people who may be saved but have done nothing for God and just didn't care. They were just glad that they were going to heaven. That was enough for them. That's not a good day for them. Now, it's a better day than dying in your sins. But do you know what I'm saying? If you don't value heavenly reward now, you will in a coming day. And you'll wish wish that, you know, that you had stayed with it. So, so, So keep going because others fall away, because others are not doing what they should be doing. You still do what you're supposed to do. And that, that will be hard and I'll talk more about that maybe tonight. And then I want to finish with this lastly. You might be doing more than you possibly perceive at this time. You actually, you actually might be doing more. You actually might be doing more. Uh, I think, again, if I go back to Trish, I think she was doing more enduring six years of suffering than she knew she was doing. I think her testimony for God through all of that was very influential to many of us. Uh, I, I, I did tell her, and I have, I have a picture of Trish sitting on my desk in Nakhonsawan, Thailand, and it sits on my desk. It had been there for a long time. And, I, and it was taken, I was sitting with her when she first disclosed to me her illness. Uh, soon after that, she knew and what had happened. And I was sitting in one of the pews here, and I was probably dressed like this, and she was sitting talking to me, and someone grabbed a picture, and I, I didn't know. But, and so they've caught a moment where i am kind of got an anguished look on my face, listening, and she's sharing and telling me. And I have that picture, and it sat on my desk, and it's still there. It sat there. And many, many times I would look at that and just take a moment to pause on all that she was going through. And there are others also going through things. But the fact that she just continued on, that she was faithful through suffering. You know, sometimes you actually might be doing more than you perceive you're doing. Uh, did you know this, that 
despite all of this happening in chapter 19, if you'd gone to Elijah and told him what his place was going to be in history, I don't know he would have understood that. I think one of the reasons that God did not explain things to him was it would be too too, uh, vast to understand. It would be too hard to reconcile that it could be that way. But I mean this. Elijah becomes known as the head of the prophets. Now, we just read about a failure. We just read about a man disappointed in himself, disappointed in others, a man who decided that it would be better for him to no longer live. Uh, But this man will go on to become head of the prophets and viewed that way to this very day. Uh, He will appear on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, representing uh, the prophets. Uh, He may reappear during the tribulation period that is coming. Uh, but he is an exceptional individual who, who never did, at, in his day, lead his nation to revival. That never happened. He never presided over a large ministry. Uh, in fact, uh, except for the few things we're told after this, it almost seems like he's in obscurity, but you're never in obscurity with God. There's nobody that God ever just doesn't see. And so God said to him, uh, well... Uh, go return and uh, go and get, uh, there's a boy working on a farm and uh, you don't know him so I'll tell you his name and I'll tell you his family name so you can locate him. And uh, go find him, God said, and take him uh, under your wing, mentor him, take, take him into your house. Uh, now that wasn't a nation, that wasn't, glo- that wasn't national revival, none of that, uh, but one, one, Uh, one whose name would be Elisha, uh, who started out being the water boy in the home of Elijah. But momentous things would come from Elijah just continuing on and just, just fulfilling the area of his responsibility, which for him was take care of that one and, uh, and, uh, and teach him and mentor him. And uh, that's what he did. Now, Elijah in his life, although I suspect he saw it, uh, did not see the fruits of his investment in Elisha. Not, not while he was on earth. But he had developed through his own perseverance and continuance a man of character in Elisha. Uh, a man of power, of temperance, self-control. An extraordinary individual uh, who would serve God. He influenced one. Influence one. So, so I'm just saying that maybe everything didn't work out the way you hoped. Maybe you desired even that I was hoping I could use my gifts in a greater way. But it doesn't seem that that has taken place. Understand. I was hoping that I would be able to do much more for God, but it just doesn't seem to have worked out that way. Well, you know, we don't always know the whys and all of that, but my exhortation is to continue. You must continue. Just do what you can do. Just 
just keep going and, uh, and be faithful and uh, do, do what you're called to do. May, may I say that I'm only towards the latter years of my life uh, become a little more settled about that. Uh, I told a pastor this week, look, I plan to, Lord willing, return to Thailand. And I said, if you come and see me on a given morning, I said, you'll see me sitting around a table with about five men. It can be more, but uh, about five. I'll have my Bible opened and they'll have their Bibles open. And we'll be sitting in a uh, rundown little Thai house. Uh, out in the rice fields. And there in that place, I'll teach them the word of God. And for two or three hours, I'll instruct them. I'll transfer to them what I have. And uh, that's where you'll find me. And, uh, and beyond that, I'll be trying to reach the lost and do other things. But, but I'm just at peace that if that is the course of my life, then that's the course of my life and that's okay. And you just need to get a piece with it somewhere that, look, I'll do all I can do, but, but it's in the Lord's hands. What I do know is I must be faithful to my part. I must continue, uh, continue in prayer, continue in thankfulness, it says. And just, just keep going. And you might actually be doing a lot more than you realise you're doing, but it just might be different to what you had hoped you were going to do. Does that make sense? There's always a bigger picture at play and God doesn't explain that. You'll see that clearer after. Uh, but just continue. Let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to have a closing song.